following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Come on, give Jesus a round of applause tonight. Hallelujah. He's worthy tonight. Please stay standing. CLC family, I, I, um, I want to welcome you to church tonight. And Pastor Rex and Miss Patty, um, Pastor Rex Johnson is a man in my life whom I learned so much just not by what he says, but how he lives his life. He's a godly man of character and integrity. Through the things I think probably even as nonverbals, when he thinks I'm not watching, I'm watching. And in a day and age where so many ships are crashing on rocks because of the confusion through politics, through social media. How many of you know we need men of God with integrity and character like Pastor Rex Johnson in this generation? Sir, I honor you. I love you. Jeanette, the boys, and I, we love you. You may be seated in the house of God. Hey, those of you who are visiting for the first time here or the second time, you're kicking the tires, just wave your hand at me real quick. God bless you. Yep, I see you. We honor you. You honor us with your presence here. God bless you. Thank you for coming. I tell people all over the world, Pastor, you give CLC one year of your life and you'll discover purpose for that life. You give CLC and this staff one year of your life and God will begin to unfold purpose for you, your marriage, your ministry, your children, every area of your life. I believe it. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Isn't it good to be in the house of God on a Wednesday night? Look at this house is packed. Woo! I don't know what your theology, but I'm just going to be honest. I think the devil hates this. I think the devil hates when Christians, when people get together and gather together and assemble together and learn about the things of God. That's what I've learned in my life. Hey, you know, I'm a, Jeanette and I and the boys, we're actually four-year-old Texans. We come to Texas four years ago. Isn't that nice? No, you don't, you don't have to clap. It's not worth clapping. But one thing I learned about this city is it's a, it, it loves its football, right? And it's a college town, right? Uh, right? Is this a college town? Well, I love football, and I love the college football scene. In fact, I come from Arizona, the University of Arizona. Yeah, you ever hear that, college football? Y'all ever hear that? that you guys put that up there? Yeah, anybody? Maybe one, half a hand, you're embarrassed now? I thought this was a college football. Well, okay, so if you, if not a lot of love for University of Arizona, but I know you, we got to have some, some of these fans here. What's the next one we got? And, okay, a little bit. Little, oh, darn. Brother, good thing darn came out your mouth. You'd have some mothers in the church running over there throwing oil at you. So I thought this was a college football town. Is there another football team? Is there, is there another football? Is there, is there another? Yeah. I get a little love, Pastor Rex, for my home football team. I get a little more love for Alabama, but I get all the love for UT. Hook them horns, right? Hook them horns. I'll tell you, this university is a hard one to visit. It's a hard one to play in. I, I'd gone to a couple of games. And I realized that the 12th man is alive and well here at the University of Texas. Y'all know the 12th man? That's the audience. That's you. Somebody say it's me. Listen to this. The presence of fans can have a profound impact 
on how the team performs an element in the home game advantage. Namely, the home team fans would like to see their team in the game win. Thus, these fans will often create loud sounds like you just did. Chants in hopes of distracting, listen, demoralizing and confusing the opposing team while they have possession of the ball or to persuade a referee to make a favorable decision on their behalf. Noises are made by shouting, whistling, stomping, and various other techniques. When, when, when there's a visiting team on the field, which, what you may or may not know is that visiting quarterback, that, that boy, he's got, he's got an earpiece in his helmet. And some, sometimes they've got a little microphone in their helmet that they can talk to their coach upstairs. And when there's chaos ensuing on the field, when the 12th man starts going bananas and there's chaos in their team and there's defilement in the ranks, people are falling apart, their team doesn't understand the play. That young man looks upstairs to the man upstairs, that coach upstairs, and that coach is saying something to him. Do you all hear what I'm saying? And he's directing him where to go. Hey, calm down. It's okay. We're all right. We're only down to University of Texas by 48 points. It's okay. (laughs) But how many of you know there could be the play to win the game, but if the boy can't hear, if he doesn't have ears to hear, He can't execute what the man upstairs, what his coach up there is telling him. Do you see it? Tonight I want to ask you a question. Do you have ears to hear in the midst of chaos? Do you have ears to hear what God is saying to you in such a political climate? If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to Genesis chapter 22. And Hey, listen, I'm a musician. I'm no theologian, but God, I believe. You can ask my wife. God's been waking me up for this tonight. In the middle of the night. This morning I was up at 3.45 a.m. And God just downloading stuff in my heart. I don't say that to impress you. I say that to be honest with you. And to let you know I, I don't take this lightly. When Pastor Rex says, would you come preach? I have to pray and ask God, God, am I ready? Is the church ready? And then I asked him, could I wear this hat? And he said, yeah, so I'm good. Just be you, Ricardo. (laughs) The Bible says, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. You all there? Now it came to pass after these things. I want you to underline after these things. After these things that God tested Abraham and said said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Now you might ask me, Ricardo. That don't make sense. After what things? This is verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham. What things are you talking about? Well, you got to go back. This is chapter 22. You got to go back to chapter 20 to realize that Abraham and his wife Sarah were going through some things. And Abraham had this idea to try to steer and try to run the play by himself. And ran into Abimelech and gave Abimelech his wife and Through a series of odd circumstances, he found himself pigeonholed in a position. And he needed God to move. And God moved amongst their behalf. And glory to God, they all came out of it shining. In fact, Abimelech was healed, his servant, his wife. Everyone was healed in chapter 20. And in verse 21, you see that though his wife Sarah was 100, he was uh, three-digit old as well. 
She was pregnant. She bore a child. God moved. So after those things, God tested Abraham. You see it? Number one, in order to have ears to hear, you have to understand the concept that the teaching always comes before the test. Do you have ears to hear in the process of being taught? Because sometimes all we see is the defense running roughshod. All we feel are bills. All we hear those words from 5, 10, 15 years ago that made us feel so small. And it's so hard to hear that voice of reason. There's always a teaching before the test. But do you have ears to hear in the midst of life? Circumstance. First Samuel chapter 3, you know, Samuel was a prophet in the Old Testament that he anointed Saul. He anointed so many things, heard from God and moved. He anointed David king. But the Bible says in 1 Samuel 3, the boy Samuel, the boy Samuel ministered unto the Lord as Eli mentored him. So there was a teaching even as a young boy. See, you think that David just showed up and fought a giant. That was the test. The teaching was a bear. The teaching was a lion. The teaching was when no one was watching. Do you understand? God just just didn't say, hey, Ricardo, I want you to go. You preach. You're done. You're, You're good. Go preach. There had to be a teaching. There had to be a refining. There had to be a sifting. There had to be a classroom that I had to go through. I just didn't come out, oh, start singing out mama's womb, oh, hallelujah. This morning I woke up and even thought concerning Jesus, Matthew chapter 15, are you still without understanding? Jesus would constantly teach his disciples concerning the parable of what people eat, what defiles people. There's always a teaching before the test. God is speaking. Do you have the ears to hear? The voice of God is so broad, right? So eclectic that he comes in many shapes and sizes and sounds. For instance, I can hear the voice of God through a child. I don't know why, but for some reason, God always puts me next to the person on the plane that has like an inner ear problem. Because they're... Yeah, hello? Yeah, anyway, so I was sitting here and I was macraming this purse and I just couldn't believe it. Was awesome. Yeah, no, I, I can hear you. Do I need to talk louder? I almost need to get born again again every time I get on a flight. Whew. But even through Sister Sandpaper, (laughs) God is teaching me. But this 50-year-old body, God, I look good for 50, right? You get a free CD next time I'm back. A free CD. Hallelujah. God's teaching me. I'm learning in those instances that I think God is more concerned with how I respond than how she reacts, than what she does. I think God is more interested in those men and women of God who are being developed and being trained, how they respond to what happens to them, more so than who did what happens to them. 
you know, the Bible says in Genesis, I love the picture that Adam and Eve heard the Lord walking in the garden, heard God walking. My son, Ricardo, he's six foot eight now, Pastor. No matter where he goes, he's walking. He's like, ho, 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 brown giant. Well, he's more like a, he's more like a cream in your coffee because his mom is Anglo. And then I'm a Latino. Any Latinos here tonight? Orale. We all came in one car. Anyway. Asshole. I always say that. You knew it was coming. Nah, don't, don't appease me. I'll keep going. They'll get worse. There's always a teaching before the test. Genesis 22, verse 2. He said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Underline the words, land of Moriah. And bold it. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the, one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and split the wood and the burnt offering. And he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, somebody say the third day. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. Now there's a whole lot of detail there, isn't there? There's a whole lot that God is telling the man of God. It confuses me. Like, he so trusted God that that was God's voice. He was sure to hear God's, he knew God's voice. But right here, he's being told, you know the story probably better than I do, that he was being told to take your only son and kill him. Sacrifice him unto me. With not a lot of detail. Write this down. Number two, praise the process. Praise the process because most of the time, the process is the purpose. Most of the time, God is interested in the process. Don't you find when God tells you to do something challenging, he never really gives you a lot of detail? The reason is, you know the reason is? It's because God doesn't just use the destination. He uses the process and the journey to train you and me how to hear the voice of God. Are you with me? I know this might be simple for some, but this has been blowing my mind. Stop cursing the process because the process just could be the purpose. Like the destination to me, where you get to is kind of the dessert, but how you get there is kind of the meal. That's what sustains you. Do you understand? The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Well, when it rains on the just, how you handle it determines who you are. How you respond to it. Jesus said, what's in a man will come out of a man. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes. Remember that old song? I don't sing that song anymore. I sing it to myself. Oh, be careful, big eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, big eyes, because there's some little ones below who are learning where to go. Oh, be careful, big eyes, what you see. To be honest, 
church, we need to stop cursing the process. In other words, stop cursing the irritating people on the plane who have an inner ear, ear problem. And start thanking God for them because that's process. That's something God is teaching us how to deal with that kind of stuff. Stop cursing that marriage that you're in, that husband, that wife, and start thanking God for them. And Father, how should I respond to them? Stop cursing the financial situation and start asking God, God, what do I need to learn? Because there's always a teaching before a major test. What did I need to learn? If you do this, you will never lose. You will never lose. If you have this idea where you praise in the process, praise the process, thank God for the process, you will never lose. You will only win or you will learn. And you'll never have to visit that ever again. Somebody shout amen. In other words, I learned to stop praying for an easy life. And I started praying for strength and discipline in the difficult times that make life easy for me. Genesis 22, is this okay? Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his dad, and said, uh, 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 father, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, uh, look, the fire and the wood, but um, um, uh, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? <laughs> and Abraham said, my son, God will provide. Underline that, bold that up if you want to in your Bible. It's helped me. For himself, he, he will provide a lamb burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Number three. It's not just believing that God can do it. I believe it's believing that God can do it again. It's believing and knowing that God will do it again. I've seen him move the mountain, and I believe he will do it again. Abraham understood this through the teaching in 20 and 21 and, 20 and every other verse, every other punctuation mark before that. Abraham had spent time with God. It's not so much believing that God can do it, because I believe that God can heal my son from a broken neck, but can he do it again? I believe he can. Because he did it once, he can do it again. Touch somebody and say, he's going to do it again. Verse 9 says, they came to a place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and a place of wood in order, in order. And had bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Verse 10 says, and Abraham stretched his hand. And took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad. Or do anything to him. For no, I know that you fear God. I now know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son. Your only son from me. Wait a minute. God, you told me to do one thing. Now you're telling me to do another. You told me to go here, now you're telling me to go there. Number four, stay pliable. For the flexible shall not be broken. Stay pliable. Listen to me. I grew up in Arizona. One of my first cars ever was a CJ7, 1982 Jeep Renegade. Put a big old fat Mickey Thompson tires on it. And around this time of year, towards the end of summer, the summer months, 
we'd have what's called monsoons. There's a lot of wind and a lot of dust. We were in the desert and a lot of rain. That's when all the, when Solomon talks about the desert blossoming and being green, you ought to see Arizona after a good monsoon. The desert turns green. It's beautiful. And what we would do is we'd go what's called a watering hole. Just when I was my freshman, so, uh, sophomore year in college, we would go take our Jeeps, me, Blake, Todd, and John, we'd all, all my buddies, we'd go, and we'd go in the mud, man, we'd, we'd be splashing in the mud. We'd be carving a path, you know, like big old boys in their toys, our Tonka trucks, all grown up, rooster tailing. Oh, it was so fun. We'd take our, our little handguns and shoot snakes. And, but that mud romping was the best because the mud was pliable, and you could go anywhere you wanted to. But here's what would happen. After a few days of that Arizona weather, the sun would come out and start to bake that mud. And the ground would get hard. The ground would get hard. The moist ground, which was once pliable, would start to get hard, and it was hard to shape. And so if you go back, take your Jeep back a week later, and try to carve a rut, try to carve a new path from the old one, you would fall back into that same old rut. And that's what happens to us, is we become so used to one way that we become so hard that when God starts speaking something, when God starts moving in the man of God, when God starts moving and messing with your area, things have become so old and so hard and so tired that you try, ah, but you keep falling back into that same old rut. You find yourself following a 10, 15-year-old memo that God never wanted you to follow. I've got this little example. I'm not sure if it's going to work. I want you guys, listen, if you can hear this, if you can hear this high-pitched noise, I want you to wave at me. If you can hear this high-pitched noise. Ready? You guys can really hear that. Are there people who can't hear that? Wave at me if you can't. Is it still playing? Because I can't hear it. But there's people who can hear it. If you can't hear it, wave at me. I can't hear it. But you guys really can hear that. Thank you. As you get older, you lose the higher level of hearing. A younger generation, actually, if you're around the age of 30, 35, you can hear it fairly well. And if, you can, if you're above 35, thank God that you've got 35-year-old hearing. <laughs> Shata, ha, ha. Ah, favor ain't fair. Hallelujah. Shata, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Is that 20, extra 20 you put in the plate? But there's a sound that a younger generation can hear that doesn't make sense to another generation. You see, about in the 1950s, church looked a lot, uh, I'm sorry, basketball looked a lot different. Big arenas, rodeos, <laughs> the same day in a game that night. Shorts were higher, contracts were bigger. Socks were longer. Personalities were mu- are much bigger or were, were much smaller. Than today's game, personalities are so much bigger. Arenas are specifically meant for certain teams. They're built just for them. 
But the premise of the game, though it looks totally different from the 1950s than it does today, the premise of the game of the, in the NBA basketball is whoever has the most points at the end of the time limit wins the game. Church today looks a whole lot different than it did from the 1950s. There's a whole lot more of a rock concert. There's less hymns in the church. But the premise of the church today is exactly the same as it was yesterday. To bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. To see lives transformed and the world changed for Jesus. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Do you have ears to hear? Are you pliable to what God is saying and doing today? Genesis 22, verse 13. I'm almost done. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked behind him, and he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, and he offered it for burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Underline that, that's important. Underline that because sometimes we see victories in our life and think it's we who provided. We think we're the man. Oh, oh, we did that because that investment paid off. It wasn't because we were tithing. No, it was because I'm just brilliant and I did that investment. Oh, you know, she was healed because the medication, the paramedics, and all that happened. And we find that we give man the glory instead of God the glory. Somebody say, the Lord provided. If we're not careful, we'll actually think that we did it in our power. That's why I put number five, be aware of ear infections. What you allow yourself to listen to, do you hear me? Who you hang out with, what you watch, what you do in your spare time. You know, I keep talking about home. No, Texas is my home. That's my home. Where I grew up, we couldn't always afford to go on vacation. My father was a butcher. My mom was a cafeteria manager at at an elementary school. That's how we were raised, hand-me-downs. That's how I was raised. I thank God for it, what it taught me, what I learned. Proud of it. But I remember sometimes, Pastor, we we couldn't afford to go on. We just couldn't on on Dad's budget. And so what Mama would do is it was a $50 card for our entire family to go to the community pool. And I love to go to Chaparral Community Pool. Yeah, it just stinks. You you know, you could smell the chlorine a mile away. It was so bad. (laughs) Y'all know the type, you know. But I remember one summer I, I got an ear infection. And I didn't want for a month, man, that ear, boom, boom, boom. Half my head looked like Mickey Mouse as I got to here. And I kept going back. And it kept making my ear rotten and rotten and rotten. And I realized as I was looking at different definitions, an infection is basically inviting something unhealthy into something that is healthy. Inviting something that's unhealthy into something that is healthy. Let me, let me Pentecostalize it for you. It's impossible to defeat a demon you enjoy entertaining. Do you hear me, church? It's impossible to destroy a habit you enjoy doing. It's hard to defeat that devil you enjoy going out with on Friday and Saturday. It's hard to beat that spirit you enjoy putting in your lungs. Oh, did I get a little too close to Austin, did I? 
I, I said, do you want ears to hear? And y'all said, oh, hallelujah, bless the Lord, Jesus. And I started talking about putting stuff in your lungs. That, that, that must have been God waking him up this morning. <laughs> Low straight up God. Miss Purdy. <laughs> oh, I got a million voices. What are you listening to? I got this video. You guys ready with that video? Kind of explains my point. You guys remember Kevin Garnett? Watch this video. This makes them incredibly formidable. Bring these lights down. I think, think there's zero please. threat. My problem is KG's a little too over the hill. You're just going to have one shot here because I'm just not sure all that will click right out of the box for one big last hurrah for this group with the two older players. I don't see it. I still think they're the fourth best team in the East. Somebody say I'm the woe man. Whoa, woman, woman man. <laughs> I thank God for spiritual hearing aids. You can turn the lights on. I don't think we're going to dance or anything. You're going to play some Barry White. That might be all right. <clears throat> My wife and I go, we get away sometimes. We don't bring any music with it. We, the only music I allow, the only hymn I allow playing when we get away is I surrender all. Hallelujah. Anyway. I thank God for spiritual hearing aids. What do you mean, Ricardo? 
as the band starts coming up. Last two months ago was the hardest uh, month of my life. I held the hand of my mother as she took her last breaths. And mom was the one who said, baby, everything's going to be fine. She had no idea what mountains, what demons, what giants I was facing. She said, everything's going to be fine. And I woke up three mornings ago just bawling, thinking about her. I found out, true story, AC went out, 1200 bucks. Same month, found out we had a sewage pipe, $9,000 busted. Dishwasher went out, how baby? Microwave went out. My two tires in the back of my truck blew. But I just needed my mom to say, baby, everything's going to be okay. You know, I wrote a song, and, and let me just say this. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying for my family. I don't know how I did it. Mama wanted me to preach her eulogy. So I preached Jesus. Amen. Saw all those Latinos come to know Jesus. All my family saw packed funeral home. And it was your prayers. Y'all sent flowers. Y'all loved me and Jeanette and the boys. I just needed Mama to say, baby, it's going to be okay. A few years ago, I wrote a song called Grand Symphony, and in that song, it says, we're part of a plan, we're part of a grand symphony, we're played for the whole world to see Christ in me. And I started hearing this idea of a symphony. A symphony is basically a body of music that's created by an orchestra. And an orchestra has different instruments in it, wind, string, percussion. But the interesting thing about an orchestra is the trumpet players have their sheet of music and their score and that's it. The trumpet players don't see what the violin players are playing. The violin players don't see the score that the percussionists are playing. The percussionists don't see what the trombones are playing. The only one who sees what everybody is doing to make this beautiful symphony is the conductor otherwise known as the maestro, which is Latin for master. See, because your life isn't like his life. His life isn't like your life. Your life isn't like that family's life. That family's life isn't like theirs. But there's a beautiful symphony that is being created called the body of Christ, called the move of God, as we keep our ear and our eye to the master. He is the one who sees how that helps that, how that helps them, how they help them, how you help me. It's the maestro. On this stage, we have a maestro. His name is Brother Phil. And you see these right here? See, that microphone in front of Phil's mouth. He's telling these gentlemen and ladies what to play. Do you have them on in the mains? Phil, tell them what you're playing. They don't know what he's playing. We're playing in the key of A. Go to A. 
So that's what we hear in our ears. Go to the four. They're going to the four. Little drums. You don't Little hear bass. what he's Very saying, light. but I hear what he's saying. Back to the four. I can hear, but you don't ever hear in our worship set today what he was in. doing. Light because bass. though there might be chaos on the field. There might be an uprising Everybody going on. Now. I might not understand why everything is breaking down in our home. I might not understand specifically why my mom went to heaven. But as long as I've got ears to hear the maestro, as long now. as I have ears to hear and a heart that is postured toward the master that's upstairs giving me the route to run to make a touchdown for the kingdom of God. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Give God a mighty shout, hand clap, hallelujah. Three, four, one, two, eight, three, four. the four. A, we're in A major. We're in A. I see you move. You move the mountains. And I believe. I see you do it again. He made a way where One. there was no way. And I believe. Everybody in here? I see you do it again. I see you move. You move the mountains. And I believe. I believe. I see. God move mountains, the most consistent voice, number six, the most consistent voice in your life is the one you'll end up obeying. When you allow God to be that consistent voice, I was told seven months ago that I have diabetes, and this was my reaction. The doctor said, Mr. Sanchez, you do. You need to start insulin because your A1C is at an 11. You should be at a 6. You need to, you need to get on diabetes. Oh, you need to get on insulin. I remember saying, doctor, give me three months. Father, son, Holy Ghost, give me three months. I went, I worked out. I work out at nine rounds. My wife and I do. It's a kickboxing club. It's kind of a CrossFit. But Jeanette put me on healthy fats. Jeanette put me on organic stuff. The doctor, when I went back to see him, the doctor said, the first thing that he said was, Mr. Sanchez, we just got your blood work. 
What kind of house do you have? Ears to hear, all right, God, I've been listening. I, I don't understand the question. How many rooms do you have in your house? He's from Nigeria. How many rooms do you have in your house? <laughs> it's pretty good. And I said, uh, well, we had five, but we knocked the wall to get my son because he's six, eight. We, you know, he's got a suite now, so we got four. So his feet could fit. <laughs> First world problems, tall people problems. Well, Mr. Sanchez, how many rooms do you have? Doctor, what on earth does this have to do with my diabetes or lack thereof? I said, Mr. Sanchez, I just, I just want to know because your A1C went from an 11 to a 5. You are no longer diabetic. <laughs> he said, you lost 27 pounds. You lost 12% body fat. And gained 13 pounds muscle. And he said, the reason I'm asking how many rooms you got, I want to know if my wife and I can move in and your wife can feed us. Because she's obviously doing something brilliant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In nine rounds, they teach you to jab, cross, hook, uppercut, and front kick. Jab, cross, Hook, uppercut, front kick. I don't want to split my pants, so that's as high as I'm going. It's not my first rodeo. Jab, cross, hook, uppercut, front kick. I thank God for spiritual hearing aids. Read the word. Fast and pray. Go to church. Worship and give. Read the word. Fast and pray. Go to church. Worship. Give. Read the word. Fast and pray. Go to church. Worship. Give. That'll get you healthy. That'll get you hearing right. Tonight, I'm not going to keep you much longer. If you need to hear from God about some area of your life, I want you to lift your hand and I want you to lift it up real high. I know this is going to go a little bit late, not much longer. I just want to pray for you. That's everybody in the place. Glory to God. Lift up both hands. It's not believing can God do it. It's believing can he do it again. And I'm here to prophesy to you that God will do it again in your life. He will do it again in your family. He will do it again in your finances. He will do it again in your children. He will do it again in your education. He will do it again in your vocation. He will do it again in your creativity. He will do it again. Father, in the name of Jesus... We speak wisdom, we speak life, we speak clarity, coherent understanding of what you're saying in the lives of your sons and daughters. And Father, I believe that you've already moved mountains in their lives. And I believe that you're going to do it again. I believe, God, you make ways where there are no ways. And Father, we believe tonight that you will rise up, that we will rise up in you, and you will do it again in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people shouted give God a big praise hallelujah